On May 13, 2015, Savas Savopoulos, his wife Amy, their 10-year-old son Philip, and their housekeeper Vera Figueroa were held for 19 hours in their home in Washington, D.C. DNA found on pizza crust that was left inside the home led police to arrest one man, Darren Went. He's pled not guilty to all charges against him. He's currently in jail, and his trial is set for September 2018. You know, like I said before, everybody's going to believe whatever they want to believe. Mm. But what I would want them to know at this point, that Darren is not capable of murder. That's something that he would never do. That's the voice of Samantha Went, Darren Went's sister and one of his closest confidants. It's from our exclusive interview. You're going to be hearing from Samantha Went on this episode for the very first time, talking about who her brother Darren really is. The Savopoulos family was first held hostage on May 13th, 2015. And on the morning of May 14th, $40,000 cash was delivered to their D.C. mansion. Then you'll recall they were stabbed, beaten, murdered, and their house set on fire around 1 p.m. on May 14th. Approximately four hours later, a burnt-out Porsche was found in Maryland, about 20 miles from their home in a church parking lot. About five days after that, police had informed the media that they had identified a suspect from Pizza Crust found at the home of the Sabopolis family. That man was Darren Dillon Wen of New Carrollton, Maryland. And a manhunt began. 48 hours after that manhunt started on Thursday, May 21st, 2015, around 11 p.m., Darren Went was arrested by U.S. Marshals when he left a Howard Johnson's hotel on the D.C. Maryland state line. Police had tracked Went and had claimed that Darren is the one that had torched the Sabopolis Porsche in Maryland, then fled to New York City to stay with his girlfriend, eventually coming back to Maryland and being arrested in a vehicle that had three other passengers, along with a box truck that they had been following, which Darren's brother Daryl was in, along with $30,000. For more on this story, we're going to go to Emily Miller. She's over at the Howard Johnson's in College Park, and she has more on this story. Emily? Well, I'm outside the Howard Johnson's, as Paul said, in College Park. This is where Wint was last night. He was in room 412 behind me. Now, the, when the investigators got here, the task force got here, and they cornered him, they almost missed him. But they did get him. And we saw just about an hour ago, we saw these detectives from the Homicide Division of Metropolitan D.C. Police Department come in. They were in the room for a couple of hours, and then they left with bags, evidence bags. Um, they wouldn't tell us what they were doing, but it's very clear they'd gotten about four to five bags, a bunch of smaller bags inside the room. One can only guess that this is the DNA evidence and other evidence of what they were doing in the room among, among the people Paul mentioned were arrested when he was arrested have now been released. And they have gone back to D.C. with that. Now, back here at the hotel, um, the arrest last night was just is quite a remarkable story. The task force that was on this manhunt finally got, they knew he was here, they thought he was here. When they got here, they saw the Chevy and the truck, which they eventually caught, were leaving. So they followed them. They saw them go north. Over the past couple of months, we reached out to several members of the Wendt family trying to find someone close to Darren who would share his story and tell us more. At first, it seemed like we were out of luck, that we may never get to the bottom of who Darren is. But that changed. Samantha Went, Darren's sister, agreed to be interviewed for the very first time. She invited us to her home in Hyattsville, Maryland, and spoke with us for over 30 minutes. From our earlier phone conversations, we got the vibe that Samantha really wanted to speak out. 
And when we arrived at her home, we were greeted by her friendly Jack Russell Terrier. Samantha is medium build, her hair was in a braid, and she still has a slight Guyanese accent. The home was warm, with lots of family photos on the wall. Samantha told us that her brother, Darren Dylan Wendt, was born in Guyana, and that his childhood was normal and fun. Darren was an athlete playing soccer in middle school and high school, and he started welding in high school too, around 16 or 17 years old. All of the Wendt boys learned the trade of welding. It was in their blood. So at 21 years old, in the early 2000s, when Darren came to the U.S., he already had a skill and started taking welding jobs in the industry. Darren and the family had lived in the U.S. about 15 years at the time of Darren's arrest. Samantha told us that Darren and her other siblings were primarily raised by their mom, that their mother was a single mother. And although their father, Dennis Wen, talked to the press initially at the time of Darren's arrest, for the most part, he was not an active father. Their mom was the one who raised them. Here's Samantha talking about their upbringing. Yeah, we, I grew up with a very big family. It was my mom. My mom is a single mom. Okay. Thank God for her. She's great. It was seven of us. Okay. Four girls, three boys. But we all grew up to be intelligent adults, respectful and caring. And we do things freely. There were seven siblings. And Darren and Samantha would gain two half-siblings when they came here to the U.S. One of those siblings is Darrell Wend. Darrell was with Darren the night that he was captured. You'll hear more about him later. But Samantha goes on to tell us more about what Darren is like. Darren is awesome. I can't say kid. He's a he's grown a man. man. Yeah. But I know he's an awesome person. He loves kids. He's very funny. He likes to crack jokes and stuff. I mean, you would sit and he would... Ooh, sweep you off your foot because of the kind of person he is. Yeah. You know, even when we call him, we know that they're recording stuff. But sometimes he talks to us on the phone about simply movies or the gym or stuff. But he's so funny, you know, <laughs> the way he talks and stuff. It's, it's very enlightening. At times, we know that because he's there, he gets frustrated. Sure. And it's going to happen. From the start of researching this case, we'd heard that Darren and his family were good people, that Darren wasn't capable of murder. One of the people that believes Darren's a good person and is innocent is Robin Ficker. Robin Ficker is a well-known criminal defense attorney in Maryland, and he represented Darren in the late 2000s in previous incidents. Ficker wears round glasses, he has white hair, always a sport coat on, and he's also a world-class heckler. For decades, Robin Ficker has heckled Washington, D.C. rival teams. You want your driveway fixed? Steamroller Mascola will fix it. According to Deadspin.com, former NBA commissioner David Stern eventually made a rule that prohibited fans from heckling visiting teams during timeouts, and it was unofficially called the Ficker rule. Here's what Robin had to say about Darren. Describe what Darren Went was like. You obviously represented him many, many times. What was his disposition like? He was a very nice young man, upward mobile. He tried to be a Marine. He uh, had a number of brothers and sisters. He was a family-type guy, like little kids. He uh, was very friendly. He was harmless. And uh, I think I've said this before. He's the kind of guy you wouldn't mind having your grandmother go to lunch with. According to Robin Ficker, he wasn't able to continue representing Darren because he wasn't licensed in D.C. He would have had to have a D.C. attorney sit with him throughout the entire case 
So the family decided to move on to Sean Hanover. The attorneys in this case are their own podcast. They have big personalities. Hanover has an office in Fairfax, Virginia. He's young, quick-witted, and if you're not paying attention when you talk to him, you could find yourself agreeing with almost everything he says. He's mesmerizing. How would you describe Darren as a person? Good guy. He's personable, likable, straightforward, and, you know, scared to death. But notwithstanding that, sitting in jail for a crime that's very serious, he had, uh, he was, he, he had a good attitude with us and was very cooperative. I have nothing negative to say. And his family, too? I mean, were they... Absolutely. Both attorneys were on the same page about Darren and his family. They liked him. They had good things to say. Sean Hanover represented Darren Went for about three months. And then Darren decided that he wanted to go back to the public defender's office. So Sean Hanover agreed. Here's what Hanover has to say on that. How, why are you no longer representing him? It is the right of every client to decide how they want to be defended. And we support that 100%. And so he decided at that time it would be better for him to go back to public defender's office. Mm -hmm. And so out of respect for his wishes, we transferred him back. So that's what Darren did. He's now being represented by Arthur Ago. We reached out to Ago to see if he would comment on where the case is, but he declined. After several years here in the United States, Samantha told us that Darren became a father. And she corrected us that Darren actually has a daughter, not a son. And his daughter is now 16 years old who he's crazy about. There were also some light moments in our conversation too, when we talked about Darren's appearance. When you Google Darren Went, you mostly find pictures that make Darren look scary and menacing. But there are also photos of a handsome young man with long braids in very good shape and a bright smile. He's good looking. He's very handsome too. Yeah. Well, thank you. He is my brother. <laughs> Is he a ladies' man? Oh, yeah. People want a girlfriend. He's he, a very he's nice like, looking he's man. He's like a one. He's like a one woman man. He's not. Yeah, he's very monogamous. Huh? He's yeah, very... he's not the kind of person will jump from girls to girls. No, he's not that kind of person. Okay. He's like a one woman man kind of. <laughs> but he is, you know, he is who he is. Everybody's unique in their own way. Samantha told us that for 10 years after Darren moved to this country, that he worked various welding and construction jobs. We asked her about Darren going to college and joining the Marines, two facts that had been widely reported when it first broke that Darren was arrested for the alleged murders of the Sabopolis family and Vera Figueroa. Wynn immigrated to the U.S. in 2000, and shortly after, he enlisted in the Marines, attending boot camp on Paris Island in South Carolina for two months from late July to late September in 2001. A spokesperson for the Marines explained, quote, Darren would be considered a Marine recruit. He was in training capacity. He did not complete his initial training and he did not graduate. Samantha told us that Darren realized the Marines weren't for him and it was the same with community college. She also explained to us that when it came to her relationship with her brother, she never pressed him. They both talked about what they wanted to talk about and that was it. Darren... He got in a little bit of trouble a couple of times, and he got locked up for it. The details of what he got locked up for, I remember one time it was New York with some girl, something happened with a girl, and he got locked up. But that's all I know about that story, you right. know? There's no details, because every time my brother comes here, I open my arms, welcome him, and he stays. Right, right. <laughs> you know, he, he goes out and do his little job and he get his little money or whatever. And he takes care of himself. That's it. I was just the good sister. Just, you know, 
Darren does have a long criminal past. He was arrested three times for assault in 2006 and 2007, serving a 10-month sentence in New York and then convicted of assaulting a girlfriend in Maryland in 2009. In 2010, he pleaded guilty to malicious destruction of property after he allegedly broke into a woman's apartment, stole a television, vandalized her car, and threatened to kill her infant daughter. Wind was convicted of three crimes in total. And Darren's own father in 2005 told police that Darren stood outside of his Lanham home and threatened to shoot his father and stepmother. Police were called to the scene. Robin Ficker, Darren Wendt's attorney, describes the incidents that Darren was involved with as minor and many never even had follow through. What do you say to that? I mean, that sounds like somebody who is very violent. Everybody has arguments uh, with their parents. Uh, It's unusual if you don't. I don't think the dad ever really followed through with the uh, peace order. I think there was just talk about it. There was some initial anger and that was it. That was another thing that was made of in the press a lot as well. Darren had nine arrests um, that your father, Dennis, went had tried to get a restraining order against him. And then he had the assault. So he's painted as someone very violent. Um, Darren is not... Well, let me put it this way, because the confusion with all the rumors you're basically hearing or whether who knows what actually went on. Um, I don't know how many times he got arrested, but I know he got arrested more than once. Okay. The confusion with my father and him, with my father getting a restraining order. I heard about that. I never asked too many questions, but I believe that was because of some sort of money transaction that my father had some money holding for Darren. Okay. And when Darren needed the money, he didn't have it to give to him. Okay. I guess he had already spent the money. Got it. And, of course, Darren got upset and and they started going back and forth or whatever. But that's all of that I know. Samantha was very candid with us throughout our interview when it came to Darren's background, but she was coy with anything pertaining to the case outside of her belief that Darren, her brother, is innocent. In Darren's late 20s, he landed a job working at American Ironworks. Darren was a skilled welder. He worked at sites all across D.C., from apartment buildings to office buildings doing general welding projects. He was hired in 2003 by Sava Savopoulos and worked there until his termination in late 2005. We asked Samantha about that termination. What you hear is that Darren was fired from AIW in 2009. So was that part true? I don't know about the fire. I'm not sure of the time frame he worked there and and if he got terminated or if. All I heard was something about IRS moving in on the company or something like that. And some people got laid off, something like that. Okay. But I'm not 100% sure on that, so I can't make too much comments there because I don't really know. But do you, you know, know this? There was rumor like he was fired because of confrontations that he had, or he was difficult, or that he had shown up late. Do you know if any of that's true? I don't really know. I'm going to say this. Darren showing up late, not possible. He leaves here early mm. in the mornings. I don't think that part is possible. He was this kind of person that loved to work. You want you want to be recognizing your boss's eyes and stuff like that. So being late and stuff, I won't believe that for one second. Got it. Now, disagreements, we all have disagreements with our boss, and it happens. However, I don't know what happened between them, you Got know. It. 
We were unable to find an exact reason why Darren was let go from AIW. But Samantha did tell us that Darren's welding gigs were often on a per diem basis. Sometimes he had work, sometimes he didn't. It still remains unclear the exact reason for the firing from AIW, but we heard that despite his termination, Darren kept a friendship with Savas that started in 2005 and continued on and off until Savas's death in 2015. Here's Robin Ficker, Darren Wentz's first attorney on Darren and Savas's relationship. Many people try to say that he was fired, therefore he wouldn't help the Savas in any way, but he was fired 10, 11 years ago, many years 2007, so that's about 10 years ago. And no one holds a grudge for that long. And he had done some work, that's true, some outside work, washing cars, et cetera, for Savras. He had a good relationship. And Samantha, Darren's sister, agreed. She says she remembers phone calls to her house from Savas to Darren. This is the question I have been wanting to ask you forever because there has been so much rumor about this. Were Savas and Darren friends. They were friends. But in what, how? They were drinking buddies. Okay. It's like they used to go out, because a lot of times when he was here, when he come home, he'd be like, oh, I got to go right back out, because, um... Savas. Yeah, he used to say this name, but I never really put the name in my head to say, well, oh, that's the person. And I've never really seen his face to put the name to the face. You know, to say, well, okay, this is the person that he was friends with. But I heard the voice on the phone because I remember when I had my house phone. Okay. He called here and asked for Darren. But that was for some job, some welding job they was doing. And a lot of times when Darren come home, he would come home late. But when he come home late, you can smell the alcohol or stuff. He'd be like, Oh, these guys killed me. Did they? (laughs) I mean, they had me playing games and we got twisted and, you know, stuff like that. So, okay, had they been friends for years or had they become friends like in the last year before Savas's murder? How did that, how was their friendship? No, they were friends for years because I've had that phone call not before he was murdered, not a year before or, or two years before, it's way before then, you know. Wow. So I knew that they knew each other for a long time. And Darren was working for him, I don't even remember the year. It wasn't like five or six years ago. It's way before then. Okay, so Darren had been working then for Savas. Yeah. Where would they go drink? That I don't know. Okay. There was also talk that Darren had been doing work at Savas's house, washing cars, doing repair stuff around there. Do you know if any of that was true? I don't know. Okay. I don't know. On Thursday, May 21st, 2015, around 11 p.m., Darren Wendt is arrested by U.S. Marshals after a nationwide manhunt in connection with the murders of the Savopoulos family and their maid, Vera Figueroa. Police believe that Wendt is the one who held the family hostage, eventually stabbed, beat, and murdered them. Taking the ransom money, Darren then torched the family's Porsche in Maryland and fled to New York City to stay with his girlfriend, which Samantha told us he did on a regular basis. Eventually, Darren came back to Maryland and he was arrested in that vehicle that had three other passengers who were not arrested, as well as a box truck that the car had been following, which Darren's brother was in, and $30,000. The other $10,000 was not accounted for at this point from police reports. We ended up talking to the U.S. Marshals, who were the ones on the scene that arrested Darren that night. 
U.S. Marshal Chief Inspector Robert Fernandez is the commander of the Capital Area Regional Fugitive Task Force, a big title. U.S. Marshals Commander Fernandez has been with the Marshals for about 20 years, and he looks like an actor on NCIS, exactly what you'd see on TV. Short haircut, salt and pepper color hair, the gun, the nylon U.S. Marshals windbreaker. Fernandez told us about the night he and his team arrested went. Actually, back to that night, we did figure out through our interviews that he did have a girlfriend in New York. We knew her name. We found out there were several women that had that name in New York. We had it narrowed. And this is one or two o'clock in the morning. We're sitting in our cars. We have some of the best investigators. So we filed the cars. They seemed to stick together. There was four people in the, in the back car. And one of our people drove past and said, it looks like there's four women in the car. So we said, okay, that can't be. He can't be in that back car. Maybe he's in the truck. Somebody passed by. You know, we have all undercover vehicles and we, we know how to do surveillance and follow cars. We practice so that they don't know they're being followed. Although they did start driving through a neighborhood and they took very suspicious turns as if they were either trying to see if someone was following them or they maybe suspected we were following them. And at some point, we decided we, we have to stop them. And we pulled everybody out carefully and slowly and safely. And, you know, we have shields and rifles and, and uh, we, it's just overwhelming. Yeah. Overwhelming force to stop anybody from thinking about doing something crazy. We pulled them out and realized that it wasn't four women in the car. It was three women and Darren Wynn. He had long braided hair, and it, at night it looked like a woman in the car. Uh, I can't remember if the car had tinted windows or not. But then the brother was in the truck with, um, I can't remember who, a friend was driving the truck. And in the passenger's door of the truck was the $10,000 that we spotted. Commander Fernandez spoke to us for about 30 minutes, and he gave us great details about the night that Darren Wendt was arrested. But the most interesting part about our conversation was Commander Fernandez's thoughts on Darren and his family. He didn't seem like the type of person that would be involved in this. And actually, that night, we ended up going to his parents' house. Mm. And uh, we interviewed the family, and they were the, some of the nicest people we've come across at least I have, in uh, doing these kind of investigations. Wow, they, that's and, amazing. Yeah, they were having a party. Uh, his sister was the uh, prom queen, and she had just graduated. Mm. And, I mean, it was unfortunate that we had to go to that their house at that time, but they were very cooperative, very understanding, and, and very polite. What do you usually encounter? A lot of resistance, uh, usually. Right. Um, I think they were as shocked as anyone when he was identified. And I think it came out on the news while we were there. And there was, I, I remember the family was just, they, they couldn't believe it was all happening at once. We were there and then there were, the, the, the television was on and they saw it on the news. Mm. Uh, they were just devastated. Samantha describes the moment she and her family found out that Darren had been arrested. Honestly, Samantha, like I've tried to think of like what it must be like to try and put myself in your shoes, like that the night that you got that phone oh, call. Don't try to put yourself <laughs> in my shoes. <laughs> I was weak to the core. I, uh, like I said, it was all tears. My mother was in tears. My sister was in tears. I mean, my other sisters are way back home. They was heartbroken because it was all over. Oh, so yeah. everybody was pretty much shaken up saying, really? Is they actually accusing him of this? You know, <sighs> It was devastating. I don't have words for that evening. I really don't. 
I can't even imagine. It must have yeah. just felt like someone had punched you in the gut. It just. Oh, it's worse than that. I've been punching the gut playing around, <laughs> but it's worse. <laughs> it's it's worse than that. Like I said, that evening we didn't have words. It was just tears, and we couldn't even communicate properly with each other. Like to, for me to, like my mom to call me, or and we have to worry about her because you know her blood pressure. So. <laughs> It was, it's not a night that I really want to remember. Throughout the interview, we have so many questions for Samantha around Darren's arrest, the money in the box truck. What about Darren's DNA on that famous pizza crust and the torched Porsche that was found a block from Samantha's home? Okay, the part with Darren that seems odd is why did he go to New York? Why did he go to New York, then come back, then is arrested in the box truck with money? That's the part that, how do you all explain that? There's not too much explanation that I can give you for that. I know that his girlfriend was in New York. So I knew right. that he used to go down a lot and see his girlfriend. Whatever went down, whatever happened that evening with him coming from New Yorkers, I don't know. Your other brother, Daryl, was with him that night. That I don't know either. Okay. Yeah, I can really vouch on that. Both attorneys have an explanation for the $40,000 in the box truck that was found with Darren on the night he was arrested. They claim it doesn't mean anything because there was actually more money originally delivered to the Savopolis home. Here's Robin Ficker. Talk to me a little bit about the money. You have been one of many people who have told us that there was a you know big safe in Savas's house, that there was a lot of cash transactions. Um, and there's been a lot of talk around the $40,000. But there's also been some debate if, in fact, that was all that was taken from the house. Is forty grand all that was? Oh, I've heard there was a lot more. I've heard that there was a hundred thousand delivered to that house. So, if there was a hundred thousand dollars delivered to the house, why haven't we heard about that from police? Why or... haven't we heard about that? Why haven't we heard about uh, anyone else who might have been involved? There are lots of things we haven't heard about. I just think that uh, they got behind the eight ball. The police, with their investigation, never caught up had a rush to judgment, and they're pointing their finger at Mr. Wint. How did you hear, though, that there was $100,000 delivered that, or taken I, from the house? I've heard that from people uh, involved in this case. I mean, because that changes a lot, right? I mean, yeah. that, you know, there's been a lot of talk of what would the motive have been if yes. Darren Wint did this. Mm -hmm. You know, would somebody tie up, stab, kill four people, burn them for 40 grand. But if you're talking $100,000, you are talking a different scenario. That's a little bit more, yeah, follow the money. I think that's a good idea. Sean Hanover doesn't disagree with Robin Ficker. So tell me about this. Robin Ficker told us that there was actually $100,000 taken from the house. Can you discuss that? I can't confirm the full amount, but I wouldn't dispute what he was saying. I would also say that to get a better idea of the amounts, you might want to look into what some of the witnesses or folks involved with this had going on outside of the, the events in question. We asked Samantha about the DNA on the pizza crust and the rumors that Darren doesn't even like pizza. One other question about that. There was so much that made about that DNA on the pizza crust. And... Darren don't even like pizza. Well, we heard that too. So how do you know he doesn't like pizza? Because when we order pizza in the house, if I don't cook anything and I say, okay, we're ordering pizza, first of all, his face is going to look 
disgustingly terrible because he don't like pizza. Second of all, when the pizza come, he will just take a slice or maybe he won't eat none at all. He doesn't like pizza, so I don't know where all this came from. Robin was mocked by the press for insinuating that his client didn't even like pizza. Here's one of his original TV quotes. His mother doesn't like pizza. His sister doesn't like pizza. His brother doesn't like pizza. He's got five sisters, three brothers. They're from British Guiana. There's no Papa John's. There's no Domino's pizza there. It's a British-speaking country in South America, the only one. It's sparsely populated. It has 750,000 people. It's about the size of Kansas. Mm -hmm. They don't have pizza there. He doesn't like pizza. The infamous quote, I want to ask you if you stand by or regret, is the one that your client at the time, Darren Went, didn't even like pizza. You know, I didn't make that up. His brother told me that uh, he doesn't like pizza. He comes from British Guiana. I don't think many of your viewers have ever been there. It's an English-speaking country in South America, but it's a small country, and uh, they don't have pizza there. They don't have Papa John's. They don't have Domino's. Kids don't grow up with pizza. It's, it's, uh, they have a lot of fruit. But uh, not pizza. So he just didn't grow up with American taste. And your American viewers see that and then they project their feelings about pizza to Mr. Wint and uh, it's completely different backgrounds. Sean Hanover agrees. And he adds that even DNA on pizza crust doesn't make his client guilty. There is no way that the mere fact there is DNA on some piece of food is the same as saying you were present at a location. Now, does that give rise to some questions? Of course it does. Of course it does. But is it conclusive? Oh, heck no. Ronnie McRae, my podcast partner, goes on to ask Samantha about the Porsche. Amy Savopoulos drove a navy blue Porsche. And on the night of May 14th, that Porsche was found on fire in the parking lot of a church, St. Christopher's Episcopal in Hyattsville, Maryland. That's about 20 miles from the Savopoulos home. And it's about a block from Samantha Wentz's home. The church is also in a busy shopping center with the staples, sandwich shops, and a lot of foot traffic. Surveillance video from that shopping center would be released a couple days later from police showing a hooded man running from the parking lot. It's nearly impossible to identify who that person could be. What about the Porsche? Because it was just like... That's the other thing. How do you explain the Porsche? Because that's just like a block from... Porsche. The one that police say was taken from the Savopolis home. That was um, Amy's Porsche that was then torched up here on Annapolis Road in the church parking lot. I know nothing of that. I, I believe I saw that on TV as well. Yeah, I don't know anything about that. And there's been speculation about Darren and Jordan Wallace. Did they know each other? Here's the connection. Jordan Wallace's father, Michael Wallace, lived in the same apartment development as Samantha between 2009 and 2011 in Hyattsville, Maryland. The other question, too, is Jordan Wallace, who it was Savas's driver and had started working for the family for four or five months. Did Jordan and Darren know one another? I have never, ever heard the name Jordan. Okay. Until it came over the news. I mean, normally, if Darren have a friend or so, he will mention somebody, but 
you know, like in the midst of conversations and stuff like that, you know, we might be joking around. Like I said, he's a jokester. Yeah. You know, so in the midst of carrying on conversations and stuff, if somebody did something funny, he'll be like, guess what this person did? Let me tell you this, you know, and then we'll laugh about it or so. But I've never heard the names or never, ever. And the other thing that, that the news had portrayed, or I, I know that I'd read one um, news report, is that Jordan's father, Michael Wallace, had lived in the neighborhood where you all live. And there was a lot of question of, well, would Darren have known Michael Wallace and therefore known Jordan? Never heard the name either. Okay. As our interview started to wind down, I knew I had to ask the hardest question of all. I had to ask Samantha point blank if Darren had anything to do with the murders. Um, I hate to have to ask you this question, but I think it's the question that people want to hear from you. Did your brother have anything to do with the murders of that family? No, absolutely not. He's innocent. I believe that he is innocent. My family believes that he is innocent. He is not capable of something like that. He's not doesn't matter how upset he got, everybody have their moments, you know? I have my moment. Sure. And I really have moments. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> Where it's like out of body. You've like yes. lost it. But yes. to do something on that but level. But to do something on that level, absolutely not. No. So you do believe your brother was framed? Or do you think he was framed? Because I know that they were friends and he used to go, you know, to the house or whatever. I don't know what went on there. Like I said, only God knows, only he knows that situation. But I just believe that he was in the wrong place at the wrong time. Right. He was simply in the wrong place. This is not him. This is, this is not Darren. This is not the brother that we grew up with. He wouldn't do anything like this. And it will be proven. Of course, Samantha is Darren's sister. And Robin Ficker agrees with Samantha. He believes that Darren will be found innocent. Do you think Darren Wen could walk free? Yes, I do. That would be... Well, I predict that he will. I, I, don't, think, I don't think members of the jury are going to believe that he did this alone and that, that they can pin these four murders on him. I don't think so. So we wanted to know why Samantha thinks no one else has been arrested or named a suspect if, in fact, Darren is innocent. Why do you think, then, that there has never been another arrest? or that, at least to our knowledge, it doesn't seem like police are pursuing anybody else. Why do you, do you guys feel like there's a reason? I don't know what the cops are doing. I really don't. Right. Sometimes I ask myself if they're really doing their job or if sometimes they just want to make some families feel good about what they're trying to do, you know? Because what truly happens is when something happened, when they want somebody to pay for something, it's like a fight. Right. <laughs> it's like a fight. You're fighting with somebody. And they said, well, not they said. Long ago, your, your, the older folks used to say, if you're fighting with three people, yeah. hold on one. And that one pays for all the rest. You see? Mm-hmm. So... This is, this is what they're doing. They're holding on that one person for him to pay for whoever did the crime. But a lot of times people go to jail or they get sentenced or whatever, and they're innocent. And they don't care who lives they ruin. 
We asked Sean Hanover the same question. If Darren Wen is innocent, why has no one else been named a suspect? Tell me this. The police came out early and said that there were multiple suspects yes. in this case. Do you believe that? Yes. What leads you to believe that that is true? Without compromising my client himself, right, I would point to the arrest warrant and to what the police themselves have said, and I would say that their investigation into it as to that aspect of people involved very much points to there were multiple people that were involved in this case. Uh, as I said to the press back then when I was doing this, there were folks that brought in money for this, that took money out of the bank. Uh, there are folks that are clearly one person could not have bound, tied up, and done all of this by him or herself. When they stopped my client at the time, Mr. Went, there were multiple people there. In fact, he didn't have the money on him when he was stopped. So clearly there are other people who have an interest in this engagement. And that's just from the facts in the, in the arrest warrant. But, I mean, obviously you've been in this business a long time. Why has there still, we're going on two years later, why has there not been an arrest yet or no one else named? There's all sorts of hypotheses for why that might be, right? So I don't have a factual answer for you. Since I'm no longer on the case, I can't say what the government has or hasn't done or provided to the defense. So I don't know. I would have hoped by this time that would not be the case. But I can say this. When I was on the case, the people discussed in the arrest warrant disappeared. Mm-hmm. Gone. Yeah. And there's only one entity that can erase a person. Sean Hanover didn't elaborate on what entity that is, but it leads us to believe that it's probably law enforcement or government. We wanted to find out how Darren is feeling now, as he's been in jail for almost two years. What is he thinking with just a year away from his trial? Well, again, I can't do too much comment on that, but I know that he's trying to hold it together. At times, it gets very frustrating. He is frustrated, you know, when you're locked up. I'm sure it's frustrating because you don't have your freedom mm. to basically do whatever you want, but it's... It's frustrating. Some days he's very calm and he could laugh and talk, and but some days, right, you gotta pray that he holds it together until this is over. We also wanted to ask Samantha if she had anything to say to the Savopoulos family. Well, to tell you the truth, I, I mean, I feel for my brother because that's my own, that's my blood. I want him to be home with us, you know. I want him out of there because I know it's driving him crazy. Oh, I know. You know, but I also feel for the family. But on their behalf, they need to really find what really happened and find who that person is versus just looking in the, you know, the, the officers and everybody else just looking in one direction. Right. You know, right. And, and, and that's looking in my brother's direction for me instead of actually trying to figure out the whole big picture. You know, what really happened? They just hold on to one person. And finally, we asked Samantha what she wants the world to know about her family and Darren. Um, tell me what you want people to know about your family and Darren. You know, like I said before, everybody's going to believe whatever they want to believe. Mm. But what I would want them to know at this point that Darren is not capable of murder. That's something that he would never do. But 
it's in God's hands. Mm. You know, only he can make that judgment. Do you believe that Darren has a good chance of being found innocent when this goes to trial? He will be found innocent. He will be found innocent because he is. On February 19th, 2016, a grand jury returned a 20-count indictment against Darren Wendt, including 12 counts of first-degree murder while armed in connection to the deaths of the Sabopoulos family and Vera Figueroa. Darren's trial date has been set for September 2018. So if Darren is innocent, if police have stopped working this case, if they have the wrong person, who could the others be? And remember the surveillance video that police released with a man running from the burning Porsche that we touched on? Well, it turns out there were witnesses. And we're talking to one of them and looking at the individuals in the arrest warrant next week. Coming up on the next episode of The Mansion Murders. One of the biggest dangers is we automatically assume certain things. You know, has to be more than one person involved. How would one person control all these different people? How could just one person do all of these things? Look at an airplane hijacking. So tell us what Jordan was like. Very outgoing. He did his job well. He completely just fell off the face of the earth. I mean, he went MIA. So I guess this, you know, this leads us to kind of the million dollar question that we've always wanted to ask you, which is why no one else was arrested that night with him. Well, people were detained and... Do you think, and I guess anything is possible, but that Darren Wendt could have masterminded this completely by himself? Well, when you say mastermind, you know... That might be the wrong word to use. Yeah. Thank you for listening to The Mansion Murders, a Fox 5 true crime podcast. And a big thanks to our team for putting this show together. Ronnie McRae, shooter and editor, Judith Ayers, researcher, Samantha Wendt for speaking exclusively to Fox 5, the attorneys Sean Hanover and Robin Ficker, and to U.S. Commander Robert Fernandez. Want more Mansion Murders? See what went into this episode. Visit our YouTube page for a video recap. Just search Fox 5 DC or visit our website, fox5dc.com. I'm Sarah Frazier. See you next week.